Welcome on in, everybody, to another episode of the Ending Podcast. This is Paul, joined by Chris. Yellow. He's still coming back for more. Um, we are, this is, well, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Uh, we just finished recording a special episode of the podcast, so we continued uh, our league manager interviews. Uh, we will post that later this week, and you can uh, get to know a little bit about Mike uh, and all that. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be as a separate podcast this week. Uh, but for this one, this is just going to be our week three recap. Um, and so we're just going to dive right in and go over all of the week three uh, standings, what happened, uh, how everything stands right now. So jumping in last week, I got away from the scoreboard as uh, we were discussing things with Mike and Chris. So last week uh, we had Paul defeat Tra uh, Keegan, not Travis, uh, Paul defeat Keegan by 203.6 to 155.4. Uh, we are both in the same house, so that was for no points, uh, but that was just an inter-house uh, matchup during our bye week. Uh, the next matchup, we had Mike defeat Jill by a score of 131.8 to 115.2. Michelle defeated Travis by a score of 167.4 to 166. Uh, Mandy defeated Joel by a score of 174.8 to 165.8. And then Ben defeated Chris by a score of 178.2 to 121.4. In terms of the individual standings, what that translates into, in the Miami division, Mike is sitting atop it at 3-0 on the season. Paul sits in second at 2-1. Michelle sits in third at 1-2. And, and then Travis and Jill are sitting at the bottom of the division at 0-3 right now. Still 13 weeks left uh, to make up those that differential. So, uh, they're not out of it yet, but they're both sitting at 0-3 at the bottom of the Miami division. Over in the Dayton plus Mandy division, Mandy continues to lead, lead the Dayton people. Uh, she is 3-0 on the season. Joel and Ben are both sitting in second, tied there uh, at 2-1. And, and then down at the bottom, tied at 1-2 are Keegan and Chris. Um, how this translates over into house standings right now. We had another set of sweeps this week. We have only had, out of six matchups, only one so far has not been a sweep in the first three weeks of the season. So sweeps all over the place uh, this season. Jill and Travis got swept for the third time already this year. Um, House Lannister is Jill and Travis, so they are sitting at the bottom with zero points. Um, this week, they got swept by Mike and Michelle, and then Mandy and Ben of House Stark swept Joel and Chris of House Baratheon. How the house standings sit is Mandy and Ben of House Stark at the top with 16 points. Chris and Joel in second of House Baratheon with 11 points, tied with Mike and Michelle of House Greyjoy, also with 11 points. Paul and Keegan of House Targaryen sitting in fourth with eight points. And then Jill and Travis are sitting at the bottom there again. Lannister, zero points for them. Um, this week, if you want to look at the matchups, we'll preview them real quick now. Um, so this week we have Joel and Chris of House Baratheon going up against Paul and Keegan of House Targaryen. And then we have Mandy and Ben of House Stark going up against Mike and Michelle of House Greyjoy. So those are our matchups for the week. Uh, Jill and Travis, I can guarantee will not get swept this week as they are not playing anybody besides themselves. Uh, so they get a week off uh, from getting swept. Uh, Travis has to be one of the unluckiest teams so far this season. 
second highest scorer in the league last week when he lost to me by eight points, lost by one point something points to Michelle this week and finished in like the fourth or fifth or so on overall points in the league. So another solid week, but did not get rewarded for it. So he changed his name over to uh, Land the Unlucky, which is quite appropriate uh, right now. So Chris, any thoughts on the standings, how they are or anything you notice from the matchups? Ugh, my team sucked again, but <laughs> we have, we have some new players and uh, I think so far this week they're showing out. Mitch Marner's coming back, uh, figuring Real Kaprizov yesterday did well for you. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I got some good defensemen. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, just taking this one game at a time right now. And, uh, but the Phil intensifies is, uh, will return to glory at some point. Yep. Just got to take it one game at a time. One game championship seasons. Um, and you'll be right one and oh. So one and oh, you just want to be one and oh in the Keegan season. So, uh, yeah, yeah I was right right now. All the matchups are very, very close this week. Uh, nobody's blown anybody away again. Travis, of course, is losing by 0.4 points at this point in the week. It's probably right where he's going to finish. Um, <laughs> just barely losing, uh, yet again. So we'll see how that goes as the week goes on. Um, to recap, the top 10 scorers of the week in the league, very diverse. Uh, this might be the most diverse week ever in terms of the top scoring skaters of the week. Uh, in number one, we had Frederick Anderson with 31.8 points for my team. That's Paul. Uh, number two, we had Jakob Markstrom with 29 points for Travis. Number three, Igor Shosturkin, 25.8 points for Ben. Number four, I don't even know his first name, Batherson, uh, D. Batherson, uh, 24 points for Joel. And number five, Alex Kalorn, 21 points for Michelle. Number six, Alex Ovechkin, 20.6 points for Mandy. Seven, Craig Anderson, a name I never thought I would see on this list this season. 19.8 points for Mike. Number eight, Philip Grubauer, 19.6 points for Jill. Number nine, uh, UC Soros, 19.4 points for Keegan. And number 10, Vladimir Tarasenko, 19 points for Paul. Nine of our 10 teams in the league were represented that week. The one team that was not, Chris, can you guess it? uh me it was you <laughs> yes so uh did not have a top 10 player this week but that doesn't mean a lot like i said uh we've had a couple other weeks where uh i was not in the top or whatever so uh it doesn't necessarily mean bad things um but yes uh we had nine out of ten teams which is i think the that's the most diverse week we've ever had uh in the top 10 as i was doing it i was like we might have literally every single team in the top 10 have somebody in here this week but um came up short by one and it's also a very goalie heavy week we had one two three four five six of the top 10 were goalies this week it's usually only about two or three so very goalie heavy week a lot of shutouts this week um i was like i don't have a whole lot of other thoughts as to what's going on this season i don't think uh if we're looking at the standings again you know nothing really standing out yet i'm still accruing stats so um, I'm not going to go too in-depth on that right now, but Chris likes to talk about, right, if you're in the top, like, four people in uh, goals, assists, wins, obviously you're doing well that season, uh, and those three teams that are pretty much right there in all of the categories are Ben, uh, Mandy, and myself, so those teams seem to be doing quite well this season. I think Mandy and Ben are going to run away with the house championship. That's my prediction. I don't know what you think, Chris, but 
I, I, mean, I think yeah, they are both very good teams, and I don't know that I need to see another house that's going to necessarily be able to challenge them. Uh, so you never know. Uh, <laughs> people have bad weeks and stuff, uh, but I would definitely expect them to make it to the championship, uh, the final battle for the championship there, and uh, see what happens. Yeah, I will say uh, Mandy's team is uh, very – uh, consistent with their goals, assists, and wins. Um, I will say Ben's team is near the bottom in assists. So like, I mean, and he's near the top in like goals. So like, if there's a week where his team is not producing like goals, you know, I mean, it just happened to me for like two weeks, (laughs) uh, you know, someone can pull an upset there. That's true. That is a quite a dramatic drop off, uh, between goals and assists where he's two points or two goals behind, uh, myself and Mandy tied with 40 goals, but yet he is over 30 goal, 30 assists behind, uh, Joel, uh, for the lead in assists. So yeah, I guess if his shooting percentage goes down one week, he may be in some big trouble. Um, his goalies might not be able to bail him out there. So that is a good observation. Um, Keegan is oh. a plus 47. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am running that. away with penalty minutes because of fucking Justin Falk. God damn it. Justin Falk. I mean, he's not that dirty of a player. What did he do? Is he just being he an had, idiot or did he get a game yeah, misconduct? Yeah, he had like t- he had he had 17 or like he had like well, when I saw it, I don't know how it's 17. Maybe because it was end of the game or something, but like he uh he had 17 penalty minutes one night <laughs> and it yeah it was for fighting and game misconduct and then i think he had like a like a roughing and like he was a mess like and i just <laughs> I, I i looked at my matchup and i was like minus 3.6 what the fuck and i look i'm like 17 penalty i'm like well if you're going to go all out then like you might as well just yeah, you might as well just go and overdo it, you know? We're using ESPN's default settings. He would have got you like 3.6 points, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I was just like, damn it, I want the penalty minutes. But also, uh, House Baratheon is the dirtiest team in the in our league because we lead... <laughs> we are top two in penalty minutes. I have 90 and he has 79. Joel does. So, like... <laughs> We're the dirtiest team. We're a Ruffing bunch of the jerks. other teams up. Yes. Bunch of jerks. <laughs> Let's go. I love the Canes. Uh, They're awesome. <laughs> uh, before we move on to calls and reeks, I should also mention uh, last week it was $5 for high assist. That goes to me. I had the highest assist uh, total for the week. I do need to go back and total them again, but I know I was up by five. I was up 23 to like 18 or so going into the final day and nobody got more than assists than me in the final day. So I know I won that. I'll get the total. Um, but assist was last week. This week, it is $5 for the team with the most goalie wins. So, uh, and then I also put in the Facebook chat what the tiebreakers are going to be because that is a category I would assume we could very well have a tie in because um, there's not going to be quite as many of those as there are uh, goals, assists, <laughs> and all that going around. Uh, so, this week is goalie wins. And because we won't be back on the podcast uh, again before next week, next week I am going to do total points so goals and assists added up not total points scored for your team but goals and assists added up uh so whoever gets the most goals and assists combined uh which they consider points in hockey uh will get five dollars next week 
Can we All just right. do like for once? Can we do like the most like best plus minus for the week? Would you be so able I'm to? Go, I'm going up? to. I'm going to. I'm going to do plus minus. We're going to do hits, penalty minutes. We're going to do all those shorthanded goals. Uh, probably not those because there's not enough of those. Oh, in the week. Boo. But we're going to do the things that there's meaningful numbers of like hits and block shots and all that stuff. So we'll rotate around the categories. Um, but. Yes, There's we a, will yeah. probably not do shorthanded goals. That's like two maybe in a week for the best <laughs> team. So we've only um, had four. We've only had four through three weeks. Yes. And which is kind of hilarious because like, what if we go a whole week and it's just one? <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone will We're be not, on the waiver wire. Everyone will be first, downloading that app. We'll just we'll just do first person to get a shorthanded goal that week or something. I guess we could oh, do. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that though. That's too complicated. I want something that we're going to have meaningful numbers throughout the week. So, but we're going to rotate around to the not super great categories. We can do like goalie saves, uh, those things. We'll hit on a whole bunch of the things that it tracks in the stats, but, uh, but probably we, not the things if, like hat tricks in a week or shorthanded goals or shorthanded assists in a week. What, what if, what if we did shorthanded points because like you at like the assist count too. So, I mean, we've had four, so that doubles it. So that doubles the chance. <laughs> doubles the chance. I was like, there are only three teams in the league that have scored a shorthanded goal. And there are only four teams in the league who have a shorthanded assist. <laughs> so uh, I'll let you know, Chris, uh, I'm leaning against that right now. This is where my Aww. tyranny might take over, uh, but I'll let you know if we do that, but we're going to rotate through around to the other ones first. Uh, and we'll see how many weeks we get through with that. I haven't added it all up. I'm kind of going by seating my pants every week. So, all right. Um, we're going to do calls weeks of the week. Uh, Chris, do you want to start us off with your call of the week? Uh, yeah, it goes to me and Joel because we successfully made the second trade in our league's history. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. I think it's the third. Or third, yes. you know what? But it's so rare. It's like a it's like a lunar eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> it happens like every like four years or three. And, well, and I'm pretty sure you and uh, Ben, Ben. Well, and then I the traded. First. I trade. Yes, you guys were the first. And then I traded with you or Ben last year. I was. It was literally a trade where we traded people we didn't want, and then we both dropped them the next day. But it was a trade. <laughs> So yeah, I, I thought your trade was interesting. Um, who, who did, who was involved in this trade? So, uh, for Joel received, uh, Varlamov and John Marino. And, uh, I received Tony D'Angelo and Tom Wilson. I was like, I thought that was actually a very even trade. I thought that it helped both of you out kind of in some areas, because I always figure, you know, in a trade, usually one person's just going to do it because they want to win off of the trade. Like they want the other person to lose is usually kind of the goal of the trade. But you also need to <laughs> offer somebody something they want. Um, but yeah, I thought that was good because Joel has Sorokin. And so he gets to pair Varlamov and Sorokin together, which guarantees yep. him every single start pretty much for the Islanders this season, unless something dramatically goes wrong. Um, so that's a huge win for Joel. They're not going to give up many goals. So it's a very big thing. John Marino, you know, you had to trade somebody else, I'm guessing, as a second pick. So he went along. I don't know how he's doing this season. Uh, didn't seem like he was doing great. Um, but, um, you know, I got him on waivers because he started off the season uh, doing very well. I think he had like a goal and an assist in like his first or like two assists in like his first three games. 
And plus the Penguins just signed him for like six years in like a big deal. And he's like 22 years old. So like, it was kind of like young upside defenseman, kind of like a young Chris Letang kind of thing, you know? And, and the night I got him, he scored another goal. So I'm like, Oh, okay. But he's like kind of faltered off a little bit since. Yeah. Um, but I also, yeah, I, uh, the way we did this trade was number one, um, we're housemates. So it behooves us to give each other something that we both are lacking so that we are, you know, helping ourselves in the house standings, but it also helps us in the, uh, you know, individual department as well. Um, but number two, yes, your, my first thought was when we were, when he, me and him were talking, he told me he had Sorokin and I said, Oh, this is easy. I'm going to get, I'm just going to give you a Berlamov. And I was like, okay, well, where's my weakness? Cause I have three decent goalies. Like John Gibson's actually been very good. Um, and so I was like, well, I mean, my forwards are, are good. They're just hurt. So, but I, so I could use like kind of one, you know, but I could, I mean, everyone could probably use a really good defenseman and he just picked up Tony D'Angelo off waivers. So that was, he was kind of the main point of that trade. And then we just kind of like went through players and figured out what kind of equaled out the, uh, like the average fantasy points per game. And it kind of evened out at around like 6.8 between the two of us. And that was based off of Varlamov's uh, season last year. So that's the numbers we used for that. But yeah, I mean, I was like, why didn't I think about trading with housemates four years ago? Well, I will also say this is the exact reason, which I don't think you guys did it unfairly. Um, but this is a reason why I let everything go through me and a vote by the people. Uh, because if it's something where it's a very obvious collusion thing, where you guys really are just trying to help each other and which you did, but you also helped your individual teams, I think, because I thought it was a very fair trade. So, but um, just because I don't want free willy nilly trading uh, between people who might like each other better than other people. Um, we do have a little bit of a democratic process for it, but I thought your guys' fair or trade was completely fair um, and helped you guys both. I have to give Joel a lot of credit because Tony D'Angelo was someone I almost drafted, but I knew he wasn't going to get drafted. And then I knew he was going to be, everyone kind of hates his guts because he was kind of an asshole. People didn't like him in, in New York. He had a real falling out there last year. Uh, and Carolina, everyone, when they signed him, everyone's like, why is Carolina signing Tony D'Angelo? He's a terrible human, all these other things. Uh, a lot of it's politics. You might like his politics. You might not. I don't really care um, about that too much. But uh, he was a much maligned player when they picked him up. People did not like that they tr- signed him, but he was a fantastic offensive upside defenseman at times in New York. And so I knew he had a chance to be on the top power play in Carolina. I had him as an in, someone I was interested in from immediate, like immediately once the season started and literally after like two or three good games, Joel picked him up and I was kind of upset about it. Cause I, I was watching him really closely. Um, so I was impressed by that pickup from Joel and he's been great. He's on the top power play in Carolina. So uh, had a very good season so far. And if he gets on the top power play in Carolina, who's undefeated, he should be continuing to do well. So yes, I thought that was an interesting uh, trade that went on. I thought it was quite uh, fair and helped both of your teams where you needed it. Yeah. And I mean, and he's got some decent defensemen, I think, um, you know, I mean, it, I mean, Seth Jones has been good. Victor Hedman is obviously, you know, very, very good. Um, 
yeah, I mean, he's got two good defensemen and I think, you know, he was like, he was said he was willing to give up one of them. I said, that one's easy. Cause then you're not wasting a draft pick, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just a guy you picked off waivers. So yeah. Uh, I'm really happy about it. And you know, that's why we brought Joel in here. Shake things up. Yep. And I, I'll back, I've actually looked at some trades myself. I offered one to Travis. He hasn't gotten back to me with a final reply on that yet. Um, but Keegan, uh, also I've looked at because he's my housemate to be like, <laughs> where could we help each other? Uh, like a fair trade, but where I could give up something and then I could get something back from him that I want. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it's a good strategy. Uh, so, uh, my call of the week, uh, goes to two people. I have two. They'll be quick though. Uh, first one, Jakob Markstrom. Uh, he had two shutouts this week. One was a 45 save shutout followed by like a 28 save shutout. So, uh, he should have been the star of the week for the NHL pretty much, uh, 45 shots is that means the goalie did something well. Uh, that's not mean that does not mean you got to shut out because your team played great defense and you only faced 15 shots. Uh, so kudos to Jakob Markstrom for that. Uh, the other thing I, sh- I almost kept it for next week, but I'm going to throw it in this week, uh, is the predators announced today that they're going to be retiring Pecorine's number on February 24th. So everyone log in ESPN plus February 24th. Um, be the first player to have their jersey retired in Predators history. Uh, well deserved. I know I gave him my call of the week last season during his last start in the NHL that he had a shutout in and a win. Yikes. So uh, yeah, I thought that was cool that they announced that. So uh, what's your week of the week, Chris? Week of the week kind of plays off of last week because it uh, got worse. So, so we have the week- same week of the week. <laughs> Is it Jonathan Taze? Oh no, it's not Jonathan Taves. Go ahead. Oh, but okay. Same, same. It'll be in the same uh, genre as yours. Okay. So like I have Jonathan Taze and it's because uh, basically he said um, like right after all the Stan Bowman crap, uh, he's like, it's obviously a tough, he said, it's obviously a tough day, regardless of the mistakes that may have been made for someone like Stan, who's done so much for the Blackhawks and Al as well to lose everything they care about in their livelihoods as well. I don't understand how this makes it go away. Just delete them from existence. And that's it. We'll never hear from them again. They're good people. I'm like, uh, read the room, Jonathan Taze, read the room. And you know, he's not, he's never been like a, you know, hot take kind of guy. And the same, like a hot take, it's like a, you know, don't say anything controversial. Like, I mean, he was like the Blackhawks, captain at like age 19 or 20 so like he's very mature you know like says the right things does the right stuff and then he does he says this on the stan bowman deal and i'm like look they could have been great people as you know them but to kyle beach they're like public and like they're the worst people (laughs) like you know so it's like it was just very like read the room kind of thing Mm -hmm. and like like, look at the situation. Is that like what you need to say right now? Like, if you want to go say that to him privately, like by all means, you know, whatever you might have had some great times, yeah. but like, do not say that out to the media, like, and they are going to rip you apart, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think we do, you know, good people do bad things, but still that doesn't excuse you from doing those bad things. Even if you're a good person, like you should still feel the consequences of the things that you did that were wrong. Um, and I get, you know, in certain things, especially when you get to the top of the ladder, like they were, there's a lot of pressure on you. And sometimes it's just kind of 
once you get higher on the ladder, it's basically just like shut up and fit in and just don't make noise. Um, but still, you need to make noise sometimes when there's something that's worth making noise over um, and something that's had such a big impact on somebody's life. So I wasn't really. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was. Oh, I was going to try and guess your call. Uh, yeah, you're Reek. I, I it's is it Joe Quenville? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I mean, mine's, <laughs> mine, mine is kind of honestly, mine was going to be more of just an update on the situation because I don't know how much our league follows this, but I think it's something that's uh, super relevant to what's going on in hockey right now and has uh, fallout effects beyond just somebody leaving the Blackhawks organization. Uh, so yeah, they uh, Gary Bettman, Joel Quenville was the, the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks at the time. Uh, there are basically reports that he was one of the largest people that pushed for nothing to happen pretty much um, because they're right in the middle of a playoff run and he didn't want to ruin team chemistry. Um, so he had a private meeting with, he's now the head coach of the Florida Panthers or was the head coach of the Florida Panthers um, for last season and this season. Um, but yeah, he had a private meeting with Gary Bettman resigned his position as a head coach of the Florida Panthers after that they are I don't know if they're still undefeated uh they may have lost one game but they're like six and one or seven and one they have basically undefeated this season one of the best teams in hockey uh so they're losing their head coach uh now for the season and they have an interim head coach and you know it'll be interesting to see if that really affects them at all uh, obviously they have so much talent they're one of the best teams in the league uh but Quenville is now gone uh, because of his part in the thing in Chicago. So now a second franchise is affected by it that way. Uh, and then the other person who was the assistant GM in Chicago at the time, I think it's Kevin Sheveldayov. Uh, he is now the GM of, I already forget, but some other hockey team in the NHL. Uh, Gary Bettman had a meeting with him, basically absolved him of everything. He's not going to get a fine or anything. He gets to keep his job as the GM of the other team. Uh, even though he was in the same closed door meetings as everyone else. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And the, what was the NHL's penalty for this whole thing? I think they fined the Blackhawks like $2 million and then Quinn Quenville lost his job. And they said, maybe there'd be some more action if he decided to try to get back into the league as a head coach again, but that's it. Like they, the Arizona coyotes recently uh, had an issue where they, this was like last off season. They worked out um, prospects that they might draft, basically like the NHL or NFL Combine. They worked out prospects illegally, like more than they should, or I don't know what the whole thing was, but they illegally had some tryout things with prospects. They got they lost like their first and second round picks for like the next couple of seasons from that Oof. and got fined. Like huge penalties for this. And then this happens in the Blackhawks organization and they say, pay us $2 million which is like one game's worth of Pepsi sales uh, at the Blackhawks arena. So it's kind of BS um, that that was how light the, the, you know, the hammer came down on the Blackhawks. I get that most of the players and the current coach of the Blackhawks maybe weren't there at the time, but some of the players were. Um, and it's just a big debate. You know, it's kind of like college football. If you have recruiting violations that affected people before, why do the current players have to be punished and everything? So, but uh, it's interesting. So yes, Chris, I see you raising your <laughs> hand. I was going on my little tangent. That's it. That's all of my thoughts right there. I know. No, I know. I just don't want to like cut you off. Uh, but I wonder what the restitution was with Kyle beach and the Blackhawks. Like, 
like they have to be like paying him for like the rest of his life right like that that might be what that's like my only like thinking like i agree with you like wow that's such a small amount but like wonder why and i feel like maybe it's because the blackhawks are gonna like basically buy him like an island well that should be independent because that's the nhl handing down the fine to the blackhawks i mean that's that's not a legal case that's the nhl's action which should be totally separate from whatever happened in the legal case and everything so i mean i would hope that doesn't affect it and it's just it's it's interesting that it was just money that they decided to take away from them and uh there were no other things levied upon them i mean that's how you stop things like this from happening in the future is you you prove to people if if this happens and it finds out your franchise is crippled for you know at least a couple of years um so it needs to have more consequences than just some money that the owners are all billionaires they all own these teams they don't care two million dollars is like me getting a like what fifty dollar fine i don't know but percentage of how much i make in a year it's nothing uh, i can afford that so um yeah, I thought that was kind of ridiculous, the whole NHL's handling of it. And I think Bettman will be booed even more loudly uh, from now on uh, as he gets up to the podium for anything. But Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is they talked about a lot of reports about this have said that the players, like, knew about it, too, and they, like, kind of were a part of it. That's, like, messed up. That's, that's all. That's- that there's yeah, they, so many there's guys on that team still like i mean at well who who is like kane and taze uh duncan keith is he still there i don't yeah duncan keith said he was not interviewed as one of the 100 something witnesses in the investigation so i don't know whether that's true or not but he said he was not interviewed which is weird because considering he was on the team at the time um yeah but yeah i mean taves kane keith um i don't know who else would still be there from that team but yeah i know that's what i'm trying to think too is uh, i mean they're the two most three two or three most high play but paid yeah. players but that's just messed up yeah there were know? some reports that players would literally joke to him in the locker room and and make jokes about the situation that they know he went they knew he went through so it was not uncon it was something that people knew it's you couldn't just bury your head in the sand and say you didn't necessarily know it so uh, and there's and there's no like, and at that time too, at I'm thinking 2010, like I, I remember I was like a senior and I, or maybe, well, what is that? It would be the summer going into my senior year. Like I, it, cause people make this like thing all the time about like past historical events that had something to do with this or racism or whatever. Like, oh, that was just the time. Dude, <laughs> we were still talking about that. Like we were, this would still be the same reaction if we would have found out until like no one goes in a locker room and starts like joking around about that in 2010, like no one did that. Right. So that's just, it's so bizarre that even something that's 11 years ago, you know, like that's not that long ago. That's not like out of touch with modern times and modern way of thinking and, you know, support and all that stuff. And that's just, I don't know. It's just bizarre. The whole thing is just so gross but and I, I guarantee you we're gonna find out more things about it because i mean we're still talking yeah. about it a, a, a week later <laughs> yeah yeah there still might continue to be more fallout from it but anyway that's our update on it uh for 
the week. Hopefully we don't have to talk about it too much more, but yeah, there were some other relevant things that I thought were relevant to the NHL as a whole. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to bring that back up, but mm-hmm. all right. Um, I don't think I have any other closing thoughts for the week. Uh, Chris, anything else to say before we get on out of here? Uh, no, I, uh, I hope I win this week. I really, really hope, <laughs> or at least like have a better showing. Like I I've been so worried about my team, but you know what? That's all right. We're going to, oh, we're going to we, press on. We will talk about how you did next week. So um, yes. until then, Paul signing off for uh, the both of us and have a great week. Everybody we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.